0: I'm creator and host, Kat Lively, and welcome to Calling Old Hollywood, the podcast where because of the future, the past will not be forgotten. For more updates, news, and information, visit callingoldhollywood.com. And don't forget to visit the YouTube channel, where you can watch the podcasts and step back in time with me as I take you to classic Hollywood and historic locations. Without further ado, I bring you this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Calling Old Hollywood. I'm your host, Kat Lively, and my guest this week is Richard Shelton. Hello. Hi, Kat. Good to hey, be here. Hey, great to have you here, Mr. Sinatra. So you, <laughs> uh, for the listeners, actor, performer, theater, um, huge with the Sinatra. It's It's, an,
1: it's been an interesting journey. Um, I portrayed him in a couple of dramas. It started um, back in the UK with a drama called Rat Pack Confidential. And it was a look behind, if you like, the blue eyes of Sinatra and the underbelly of Dean Martin. And uh, Mm -hmm. it it took the five men of the Rat Pack, Frank Dean, Sammy, Joey Bishop, and Peter Lawford. And it started out all, you know, very happy-go-lucky and weren't the days of the Rat Pack fun. But actually, it it, it, um, scraped away to the underbelly of all five of them and exposed... You know, the torrid affairs, the alleged mafia links, the womanizing, the drinking. You know, it it, it peeled away the outer layers of the onions. So you were left with the uh, the core. And that that was the first dramatic um, uh, relationship I had with Sinatra. And And it all went on from there, really.
0: Incredible. Let's go back a little bit to origin stories. When did you first become interested in theater, music, all of this?
1: I sort of can't really remember a time when I wasn't interested. I mean, all my life, I I mean, even as a young child, I remember going to a a new school in the UK and um, I'd been to see the film, the movie, uh, Oliver the Musical. Mm -hmm. And I was so... Utterly swept up in it, so possessed by it that I told everyone in the school that in fact I was Mark Lester who had played and Oliver, <laughs> yes. and then I was called in front of the head teacher to explain myself, even at the young age of about seven or eight. Um, so I think I've always been, you know, passionate about performing. Although it was, I wasn't allowed to do it when I left school. You know, when I, when really? it sort of came. I was prevented from doing it actually, by an over, overzealous father.
0: Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. So he was not approving of you being a performer?
1: No, not at all. Quite the contrary. No, no. It was the place I'm from in the UK. It's a very small town right in the middle of England. So the nearest city to where I was brought up was a place called Birmingham, mm-hmm. which is synonymous with being the um, industrial Midlands. So, okay. you know, my, my background is very non-show business. Mm-hmm. Um, Although my father had a passion for jazz and big band, you know, he actively, you know, instructed me. And they were were different days, but I would not be allowed to pursue a a career in the arts. So, uh, yeah, Yeah. I had to take a detour.
0: (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) So did did you pursue anything else first? How did you come to this?
1: I did. I, I went into the international hotel industry and, oh, and, cool. uh, and I worked in some amazing uh, places whereupon I met all sorts of wonderful people, stood on stage with Ella Fitzgerald, wow. saw uh, Camp Basie in concert, met all the big movie stars of the day. And I was always incredible. badgering them saying, look, I don't really want to be doing this. I want to be an actor. And they would, of course, would all go, well, just do it then.
0: Yes. <laughs> so one day I
1: did. I gave it all up and I started my own theater company. And that's where it all started.
0: That's incredible, though. I mean, what, mm. what was that defining moment? Was it was it you just kind of woke up and you said, that's it, I'm doing it?
1: Literally, it was one of those. I had, a, I had one of those weekends where, you know, suddenly Friday night... Well, Friday morning, everything was fine. By Friday night, my life was spinning in many different directions. Mm-hmm. And by Monday morning, I kind of thought, whose life is this anyway? Oh, it's mine. You've got to do the thing you want to do. And so yes. I resigned from this very highly paid job, very successful job. You know, it was very glamorous. I was flying all over the world. I was flying on Concorde between London and washington and Mm -hmm. you know having lunch in rome and paris and i gave it all up to to do the thing i really felt passionate about and that was to become an actor i
0: love that yeah yeah you know you did what what resonated with you so you started started the theater company i'm sure numerous productions you were performing and as far as um yeah the sinatra rat pack all of that did that influence begin young or was that something later
1: well, I was always aware of Sinatra because my dad, like I said, my dad was a big band fan, so I was always aware. Right, I grew up right. listening to Count Basie or Hello or um, Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra. And I remember seeing a photograph of Sinatra when I was a very young boy, and him at the same age. And and I said to my mother, Mummy, who is this who is this person, Frank Sinatra? Because this could be me. And she, she kind of looked skeptically at this picture and said, <laughs> Oh my god, yes. 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 So we had a similarity. And then when I got to about 14 I remember my dad buying the My Way album, and I listened to it more than my dad. You know, I knew my voice was in the same register, even as a, you know, even as a 14-year-old guy. You know, I could sing the songs. I understood the the, uh, lyricism and the melodic quality. So uh, it was many years later when I was doing the jazz scene that I, you know, when I opened my mouth to sing, what came out was... A very similar tone and sound to Frank Sinatra, so yes. he's sort of always been in my life. He's, he's always been a
0: reference. It's amazing. Me. What do you think <clears throat> he would think of your performance?
1: <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I think he'd enjoy the dedication. I I'd, look. I think he might be. I, I'd like to think he might be flattered in, in the sense that it's it's so not about impersonation. It's about, it's about it, you know, I approach it as an actor and mm-hmm. all I'm interested in is the truth, you know, the truth yeah. of the emotion. Um, and, and that's what's so interesting. You know, he, for mm-hmm. me, I, I like the 2 a.m. Sinatra in a bar when he's there and the air is dangerous. You're not quite sure which way he could go. Mm-hmm. That, that's the aspect of the man that intrigues me
0: absolutely yeah there's this there's this mystique as widely known as he is and and has been and always will be there is that definitely that kind of like there's still today that what's behind the veil you know yeah like you're saying that kind of like 2 a.m sinatra when you know the lights are off and it's just him and yeah no it's 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 a beautifully poetic i mean because what a life he lived you know i mean yes this kid from yes. Hoboken i mean just yeah incredible um
1: yeah and he he
0: had such
1: he had such belief in himself and he was mm-hmm. so driven to do the thing he wanted to do mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for that you know I mean he said I think he said to his mother something like I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the, the, the greatest singer who ever was and she was kind of like yeah shut up shut up and <laughs> yeah. get a job
0: yeah <laughs> yeah he did
1: it he, he did it and, you know yes. that's amazing that
0: tough love but yeah look what he did look what he you know yeah. he did it it was absolutely so yes you, so you've betrayed him so obviously so what came first chicken or the egg performing singing i mean it was acting and then singing yes yes i
1: i think honestly i think that well a world without music is sort of inconceivable to me like if somebody mm-hmm. had a gun to my head and they said choose you know is it going to be yeah. acting or singing it would be music i love music it's
0: like a uh, universal language of it unity. It really is. Yeah.
1: You know, a life without music is just inconceivable yep. to me. But absolutely. I think that the way I approach it, I I approach that side of my life as an actor, really. So in the same way as, I guess, the old-fashioned artists like Frank Sinatra or, I don't know, Judy Garland, mm-hmm. you know, these people told stories. You know, when they sang, you you were absolutely listen, going along with the lyrics. And I, and yeah. I think I'm right in saying that um, frank sinatra uh, was quoted as saying the lyrics come first not to demean the music but the lyrics come first because if you get the lyrics right you get everything else right yeah. if you understand the song and and that's sort of the way i i it's a similar approach uh, that i use
0: incredible I mean, if it's true, you know, the music back then, especially, like, we're talking Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, jazz, you know, big band, these things, the songs were stories. So much, you know, not to knock the music today, but back then, there was just, it was such, you know, this storytelling and this craft. You're right, you know, um, no matter what it was, it was something that was really encompassed in his songs.
1: I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about the songs of Cole Porter, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean just one of those things for example by Cold Porter or uh, I don't know you can name any one of them um, uh, you'd be so nice to come home to you know just off the top of my head right. what wonderful lyrics what, what, what a wonderful sentiment you know or, uh, there was some way to go with these songs and then of course you add in great arrangements well yes. wow it's phenomenal
0: incredible mm. When so when you noticed the, the whole thing with Sinatra how did you go about kind of you know, uh, blinking on the word, you know, putting together this, this performance, this show when, you know, what was it Mm. that compelled you instead of um, just, you know, doing it, um, you know, uh, Sinatra aside, maybe influenced, but really taking Mm. that on what and Mm. why.
1: uh... Yeah, that was um, interesting. So that was, that was, that was this play. So I was working the jazz scene uh, and people would frequently say, Gosh, you know when you sing you really do sound like oh, yeah yeah I know thanks so much and Hunter. and, um, and this, this this play came along and part of the five week rehearsal period for this play yeah. was um, e- each of the five of us the five men in the thing we had a week of solid view watching videos and footage of the five men so we, we all went away um, and would spend about five hours of the day just watching watching and listening and getting
0: the mannerisms, everything getting the mannerism getting yeah. the mannerisms.
1: so you would you, you what you do with that is you start you you see how they physicalize but then you have to inhabit so in other words the process of acting it, it comes from the inside out it, if you impersonate it, it, you layer it from the outside so mm-hmm. in other words it mimicry is, is a very different skill, and I, I don't think I can mimic or impersonate Sinatra. It's more something to do with being possessed by him.
0: Mm, um, I like that. And,
1: and so that's when it really started. And then once it sort of wound its way into my DNA. I was able to then translate it to diff, you know different performances feel okay. my way through the music or feel my way through the through the acting piece okay. and, it, and it led to a second drama called Sinatra Raw R-A-W yes. like Raw and that was where I examined him just as he's approaching retirement for the first time and you know he's kind of he's three times married and divorced and it's it's the 70s and it's the time of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and David Bowie and he's it's kind of redundant, you know. Right, Who cares right. about this great icon anymore? The time what, was what does, changing. Exactly. Yeah. You know what, what did that feel like for him? What what you know what, what did it feel like to be in your fifties and think, oh, is that it?
0: Right. You're you watching know? the world around you change. Yeah. You were ah. the biggest and the baddest, and now here comes rock and roll, and here comes yep. you know the the free love and flower power and all this stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I mean,
1: he sort of made this rather he made some strange choices i think towards the end of his career well before the end you know he he sort of started to wear beads love beads and and niru jackets and
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know and it was all a bit weird Um, yes yes uh, it wasn't a good look relevance Um,
0: was not a good look you know he uh was of the time yes
1: yeah But he got it back, you know, Then he he sort of plainly thought, no, this isn't me. And he, he, you know, put put on his tuxedo again and carried Mm -hmm. on and the world loved him for it. So an interesting man and an interesting journey.
0: I love that so much. So Mm. I, a little bird told me that you have some very interesting coincidences with Sinatra. Um, Yes. (laughs) I was asked to ask you about the tuxedo.
1: Oh yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> that was fun. So I was working, I was recording at Capitol Studios and this is when we started the album, An Englishman in Love in LA. So that, that's a brand separate to Frank Sinatra. It's original music and, you know, a very dis- distinctly different sort of sound. Mm-hmm. But as a result of um, recording at Capitol, I was invited to a music industry party, mm-hmm. whereupon there was a, a lady uh, standing next to me and I I thought, well, I've got to get the conversation going. So I just turned and said, oh, hello, my name is Richard. Uh, Who are you? And, you know, what brings you here? And uh, this lovely uh, lady said, well, you know, my name is Heidi, and um, I'm a filmmaker. And my friend uh, just got... uh, My friend runs an antique store, and he just got Frank Sinatra's tuxedo, and we're looking for a home for him. Oh, my God. You're kidding. I mean, apropos of nothing. Wow. So I'd always wanted to touch something that belonged to Frank Sinatra you know, like a cufflink or a cigarette
0: case yeah never,
1: never imagining it would be his tux- one um, of his tuxedos so I went to the store and tried it on and it's it's as if it's tailor-made it, it's what? incredible
0: oh yeah? my goodness that is incredible How, that must have, you must have like goosebumps like tri- like putting that on Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, very much so, very much so. I mean, put it like this, it, you know, I have worn it a lot. I've worn it uh, at various concerts. Um, but rather amusingly, I, I had a gig once the pandemic was all over. Mm-hmm. I was starting to wind down and we could get out to work. I did go to New York and I took the tuxedo. Uh, but when I put it on, I had a shock. Let's just say, um, yeah, let's just say the, the, the suit fit. Pre pandemic, and now I've got to do a bit of work. To get back it's okay. into
0: it. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. But that's just a waistline thing. The rest of it fits absolutely identically.
0: Wow. That is very serendipitous. Wow. Yeah. That, did did yeah. she know that you performed as Sinatra?
1: No, not so when she was said t- it. No. Totally. It, blind. Was just, wow. it was just one of many coincidences that were happening. I mean, I just yeah. happened to go past his, the the last house he lived in was on Foothills Road in Beverly Hills.
0: This was the other thing. They said to ask about the house, the wrecking ball?
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. So um, I I drove past the house when I first came to L.A., when I came over just for a a look-see to think, oh, you know, could I live in L.A.? And I went past just as inspiration, just as sort of tip of the hat, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And, And when I was leaving... Uh, to go back to London in, in a month later. Yeah, I, I could do this. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to drive past the house again just to say a quiet, well, thank you for being my inspiration.
0: Yeah. And
1: the gate was open and there was a, a, a wreckage crew there and they had literally just started to tear the house down. So I said to the wow. foreman, this is, this is Frank Sinatra's last house. You're tearing it down. He said, yeah. I said, well, can I, can I look around? He said, no. you you got to call Dave in the office. He's never there. So we, we called Dave in the office. What do you know? He, he answered. And, Great. and I told him the story, and he said, yeah, go, go right on in. So Aww. I was literally one of the last people inside Frank Sinatra. You know, literally the place they took him to die he breathed his last in
0: there wow
1: so that felt very special being inside you know a place that nobody gets to go nobody yeah um and then there were others there were i I happened to check into a hotel in palm springs and i just happened Mm -hmm. to say um oh did the rat pack ever stay there uh, stay in this hotel and the receptionist said Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the room you're in was actually Frank Sinatra's suite.
0: Oh, my god! <laughs> and so it
1: goes on. There are, there are many others. I but those love
0: are, it. I love yeah. it. What do you make of that? Do you think that that's kind of just like a tip of the hat or just a crazy coincidences? I do.
1: I think I, I mean, I, I must say sometimes I do think, oh, there, I mean, there was one really, really chilling one where... Uh, I I'd, was forming the idea to write Sinatra Raw the play and I had come back from Palm Springs and I sat down at my laptop and I, I was just kind of thinking, okay, okay, Palm Springs, Palm Springs. He's getting old. He's going to retire. Oh, I don't know. And I I put on... There's a couple of radio stations I always listen to, mm-hmm. uh, British radio stations. One is classical music and one is talk radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I said oh, Alexa, play BBC Radio. And I thought, no, 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 don't don't listen to that. Put on on some popular music, you know, some some middle of the road. Mm -hmm. So I happened to say, Alexa, play BBC Radio 2, which I don't really listen to. And at that moment, Mm -hmm. it said, um, oh, um, Alexa's just started playing. (laughs) I I said, um, at that moment, what came out of the radio was, Oh, good evening you're listening to bbc radio 2 and uh, we're going to devote the next hour to frank sinatra and yeah. the We small hours of the morning project in oh. palm springs and at that point the hairs on the back of my wow. neck
0: really stood up and i thought whoa okay That's amazing that is <laughs> yeah. so cool i love that, was, that. i have that some great I have something kind of similar with um, James Dean. Um, Oh, really? Crazy coincidence. Yeah, like I was, uh, I used to be a musician. This was a few years ago. Um, Yes. And I was on tour in New York, and I didn't know very much about James Dean, Um, but I, I went for a walk in Central Park on the Upper West Side. I wanted to go see the Dakota and, you know, the John Lennon strawberry fields and everything. And uh, yes, so I went. uh, It was very cold. It was a January and I went back into the neighborhood and this was um, to preface it the night before I had this crazy dream about James Dean where it, it was this long story short. I ended up meeting him in like Times Square and the next morning I thought, well, that's real odd. I thought, but maybe it's my subconscious because there's that famous photo of James Dean in Times Square. So I just, yes. I chalked it up to that. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, that's it. So yeah, yes. I, so I went for the walk in uh, Central Park and uh, I walked back into the neighborhood and I sat on a stoop. as I And I, yes. I pulled my phone out to look for a cup of coffee. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, I just started thinking about James Dean again. I thought, why... Am I thinking about James Dean? And um, so I'm sitting there, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to look him up. I'm going to see if there was anything that he had anything to do with New York or something, you know? And lo and behold, I find this 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 article, and it's this, this interview with someone who lived in, I guess he had an apartment uh, in New York, and uh, it gave the address at the end of it. And I typed the... Uh, address into Google to to see where it was. I thought, you know, maybe I'll go maybe I'll go take a look at it while I'm here. And yeah. um so I put it into Google Maps. I was on the stoop of the apartment.
1: Oh, My god. That's, am- that's amazing, isn't it?
0: And that's how it started. I became friends with the guy who's lived there forever. We became friends. I ended up staying there for 3 months while he went to Spain. Um, so I got to learn everything about James Dean and, and stay in that apartment and it just, it led to so many things. Um, wow, it wow. was, it's ridiculous. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying about Sinatra. Um, yeah, it's, it's spooky sometimes when you see those things. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a delightful little adventures in life. Um, yes,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Entirely. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful.
0: Thanks. So let's <laughs> let's talk about the record, An Englishman in Love in L.A.
1: Yes,
0: so, yes. Okay, where, so this, I mean, incredible. I think we saw quite a bit of this at, at Vitello's when you performed. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, where did the inspiration come? What's this all about?
1: Well, um, I met... An English guy in, uh, there's a very famous jazz club in the UK called Ronnie Scott's, which is in Soho in in London. And um, I'd been to see a, a friend of mine sing the a wonderful singer, Claire Martin. And um, on the exit line, on the exit queue on the way out, everybody was you know squashed together. It was all a very, very well attended gig. And I just happened to get talking to this guy on the way out saying, wasn't that fun? He said, oh, yeah, it was great. Chat, chat, chat. And he said, who are you? I said, you know, I'm Richard, and this is what I do. And he said, oh, um, you're a singer. I'm a composer. I said, oh, great. He said, where do you live? And I said, well, actually, I'm just about to go and live in L.A. And he said, no way, so am I. He mm-hmm. said, you're kidding. He <laughs> said, no, 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 I'm, my girlfriend lives there. I'm going to go and live there. So um, we exchanged numbers. <laughs> and what do you know, about 10 minutes later, we had bumped into each other again in another club in London, the Grab Show Club, Members Club. Incredible. Oh, hello, hello, you know, all of this. And uh, see you in L.A.? Well, about three months later, I'm in LA and I'm exiting the Hollywood Bowl and having seen uh, Tony Bennett. And as you know,
0: Mm. um,
1: it's 17,000 strong in that place. And I hear this voice, Richard, Richard. I turn around, there's Alex Rudd. (laughs) I said, oh my God, Alex, wow. And he said, look, listen, uh, I've been thinking about you. I want to write a song for your album. And I said, well, the album is loosely called An Englishman me in love in LA and it's kind of in love with the possibilities of LA you know LA Mm. it's taken from the Sinatra record LA is my lady it's it's about it's about new beginnings and it's about giving life a go you know it's about Mm. risking and seeing where it takes you
0: Um,
1: and I think the songs on the album so there's an Englishman in love in LA and my thoughts return to you by Alex Rudd and then another mutual friend of ours, Alex Frank, he wrote Lost and Found.
0: Good friends with and Alex, yes.
1: Yeah. Uh he's a he's a fabulous talent.
0: Incredible. He's amazing.
1: Yeah. And he wrote another song called Sinatra and Me mm-hmm. uh, with Spencer Day. So yes. that that's where it all started.
0: Just incredible. Mm. So how long did the record take uh, in in total with all these oh. hands?
1: A long, long time. Was it? Was quite, a lot, these things are either done, in my experience, very quickly or they take a long time. Very long, <laughs> yes. Um, and we had the pandemic in the middle of it, so that kind of Ugh. screwed things up a little. Um, but I guess since, I, I'd say to you, since the very first idea of sitting down and thinking, well, well, I want to make this record, to the time it actually got out there was about, was about nine years. Mm-hmm. Because along the way, there's videos and some very expensive videos. Mm-hmm. Um But when you're doing this, and I, you know, I employed orchestras, big bands, small bands, Capitol Records, and of course I was financing it myself, so Mm -hmm. I had to do it incrementally. You know, I could do this much until the money ran out, and then I had to earn the money again to pay for the next bit. Mm -hmm. So it's been a labor of, uh, it's been a labor of love, but um, I'm I'm thrilled with the result.
0: Where can, where can fans and listeners buy the record?
1: well um, they can buy it wherever they love to get their music so it's yes. I, I guess my website is, is the uh, is a good place to start which mm-hmm. is uh, www.richardshelton.co.uk so it's .co.uk but of course it's available on you know Apple Music or Amazon mm-hmm. or you know wherever wherever people choose to get that music from
0: absolutely you guys heard it go purchase this record good stuff thank you yeah <laughs> thank absolutely you. so what um projects that are what have you got coming up what are you working on
1: well, um, I'm staring at a script as I talk to you. It's mm-hmm. called "What the Heart Wants." It's a new play by somebody called Bert Tyler Moore. I don't know if he's was related to Mary. Mary Tyler Moore, Moore yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's a play. That is going to go on as an arts festival in the UK called the Edinburgh Festival. And there's, there's yes. every day, there's about 2,000 acts that perform there. It's a, it's a huge arts festival. And um, it's frequently a tryout for the work to then to transfer into the West End or, you know, who knows, maybe off Broadway. But the play imagines the moment where Frank Sinatra. Says to Mia Farrow, he was married to Mia Farrow, of course.
0: Right, yeah, we all know about around, that story. <laughs> yeah,
1: he offered to Mia Farrow that he would go around to Woody Allen's house with a baseball bat and smash his brains out because Oof. this was at the time of the, he got married to or he got together with Soon Yi and right. child allegations. So it's a very controversial subject but it's a comedy It's a dark comedy it's a satire yeah and it opens by with it, with a fabulous line it says right at the top of the play none of this ever happens so call off your lawyers <laughs> so yes. that's a neat way of getting in Sweet. Um, but it's how to make a how to make a subject like that funny well you put it in the hands of a great writer and uh, and it really is a good play so uh, so i'm starting oh. work on that um, and also finishing off a another recording project, but that one is just piano and voice. So uh, yeah, I've got a kind of got a lot on my plate at the moment. Which it's is all great.
0: good though. That's so wonderful. It's ins- yes. inspirational. Yeah. Thank you. When you get into you know the creative mode, when you're writing, when you're you know what what does that look like for you? Do you does it just come to you? Do you have to effectively sit down and say I'm going to dedicate this much time to this?
1: hmm it i there there tends to be a lot of walking um a lot of walking and and i'm thinking all the time so i'm thinking when i'm sweeping or when i'm walking or when i'm doing the dishes and you know there's a lot of thinking before i can sit down and then put my thoughts So, so the next stage for me is frequently to I get like excess, like work pads, and I scrabble things out in a terrible, terrible fashion, you know, mm-hmm. just random thoughts. And then I transfer them onto post it notes and I stick them all over the wall. So I, I start to get a thread, like a spider's web, really. Yeah. And I start moving them around and going, wow, I see that that bit links into this and then that goes there. And yes. slowly by slowly, I, I start to get a um, a, th- a through line, you know, a thread. Mm-hmm. And that's where I start to fl- flesh it out. So I break it down, chunk by chunk. And yeah, that 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 the hard bit is to just sit down and start writing. That's that's the right <laughs> literally. That's the bit everybody. Yeah, it's a bit trepidatious.
0: Yep, bit. absolutely. I know that's really. always been the hardest thing for me. I'm working on my my first book right now. Yes. And sometimes you know, you go, okay, I'm going to do the it just yeah, it's it, that's the hardest part. You have the inspiration, you have these things all up in in the brain, but yeah, sitting down to actually dedicate and not look at your phone every 2 seconds or yes. you know, yeah, completely. Oh yes. my goodness. Yes. yes. Well, do you have advice for aspiring uh performers, actors, uh, theater performers?
1: Yeah, I do. I do actually. Okay. Um and I really really mean this. Do mm-hmm. do it for the love, do it for the passion. Do it because you have to do it. Do it because there's nothing else you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like if you think you could be good at something else, do it. Go and do that other thing because it's too difficult not to. You mm-hmm. know, you got to it's a calling, it's a vocation. Yes. And I think that we don't say that. We, we a lot of people have lost sight of that nowadays because mm-hmm. they want to be famous.
0: Exactly. And,
1: and being famous is so it's so banal. It's so insignificant. It's, it's so overrated. It, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's if you're in this life, do it because you love the work, and then it's a joy. That that's where your joy is. You know that the joy sometimes. Let's say, for example, as a musician, the joy comes from doing a great gig, and mm-hmm. that's in the moment. You know, um,
0: yeah.
1: of of going home after thinking, "Oh, that was that was a good one. That that was great fun."
0: Mm-hmm. you
1: know Absolutely. or doing a good performance don't get swept up in all the all the peripheral stuff and the TikTok stuff and the Instagram stuff I'm not suggesting mm-hmm. that those things aren't part of it they are part of it nowadays right. but it's not the reason it, no. it doesn't have to be the reason
0: I'll do. So great piece of advice
1: find your find your passion i would say find your passion
0: absolutely i mean life is too short not to you know and that's what we're talking about being on that frequency of of doing what you love and i like that you brought that up that a lot of people especially going back to like sinatra and you know the rat pack and stuff it's like nowadays people are just so focused primarily focused you know what's relevant what will sell what will yes. you know what will uh, will they buy the film when I screen it you know things like that it just you yes. you know you're right it's yeah it's it's there's no uh there's no reason what we need more than ever is genuine passion and artistry I think
1: honestly I think so I mean you you know I, I find myself listening to you know some modern music and I and I struggle to sing along I struggle to sing the rhythm and all the melody you know yeah. I struggle because I don't know what they're... It's also manufactured. Right. Um, And I don't know... I I don't know... Like, even in the 70s, the the pop music, you know, bands like Queen or Bowie or the Rolling Stones or whatever it was, you could sing along to that music, you Mm -hmm. know. It was rock and roll, but you could kind of sing along to it. Right. And the ages, I suppose, as well, you know, they'd like say Duran Duran or Wham or ABC or whoever it was, you know. Mm -hmm. But now, I I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't sing along to anything.
0: It's hard. It's hard. I mean, I'm that way. You know, I was raised uh, by my grandparents, so I was raised, you know, kind of like a generation before, luckily. Um, yes. uh, You know, Sinatra, the Rat Pack, Jazz, uh, you know, Bob yeah. Dylan, Elvis Costello. It's like these yes. people, you know, they told stories, they told them with heart, and there was a, such a craft to the performance.
1: Yes, yes.
0: That's the yes. biggest thing I find. That's why when I saw you perform... Afetalo's, I was like, this is so craftfully and passionately done, you know, yes. and that's something yeah. when you turn, you know, when you watch these award shows or when we go to concerts and stuff nowadays, I feel like that's, you know, not to say that someone just coming out and performing isn't enough, but there was really a spectacle about things back then. It was, yes, it was a show. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. A- absolutely. It really, really was. Yeah.
0: I, so, we need more of that in the world again.
1: Yes, we do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? Any closing thoughts? Um, anything you want to talk about?
1: Uh, no. Just thank you very much for, you know, for the for the opportunity of chatting to you today. It's been Absolutely. fun. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks
0: for coming on
1: keep the music alive keep listening to the music you can't beat the old music exactly it's
0: exactly and
1: uh, yeah just just enjoy enjoy life that's what i would say
0: mm-hmm.
1: enjoy don't worry about the nonsense just get on and enjoy life that, that's the most important
0: thing it's too short not to absolutely yes. Absolutely. one final question this is the curveball yeah. of the episode um yeah. so if you could be any character from the wizard of Oz oh yes who would you be and why
1: <laughs> that's a really good question thank yeah. you I think I who might I be I mean my head goes to being the wizard Yeah. <laughs> because I like I love the you know he he was a bit of a well he was a bit of a b- b- buffoon really wasn't he memory serves him. in the yes. end he was trying you know putting all the strings and the and the knobs and the Puppet wires master. All, but I, <laughs> yes yeah um But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, or the Lion. I don't think I'd want to be one of those. I think if I was an actor, playing it as an actor, I I think that the character who probably had the most fun Mm -hmm. was the actress who was the Wicked Witch. I mean, that's just great fun. Incredible. (laughs) But uh, that's not open to me. So I'm going to say The Wizard. I'd be The Wizard.
0: Good answer. I like that. I like that. Definitely. Well, everyone, this has been another episode of Calling Old Hollywood. This has been Richard Shelton. Where can people find you on social media?
1: Well, it's on, um, it's Richard Shelton is my Instagram or Richard Shelton, the Facebook um, and the Twitter. So uh, yeah, just type in my name and it should lead you there. It, it should lead Folk there.
0: All right. And do you have any shows coming up?
1: I do, um, but not I've just on my last one in L.A. for now. So mm-hmm. I'm going over to Europe, but I'll be back. I'm in New York um, in September mm-hmm. um, uh, after being in the U.K. for the summer. And then I'll be picking up the threads again when I'm back in Los Angeles in um,
0: uh, in the fall. Great. Well, everyone, keep a lookout. Go see him perform. Get the record, an Englishman in love in L.A. You heard it here. Wonderful. All Thank right. you so much, Kat. Thank, Thank you. you.